Well, let me ask you a question. Are you living the American dream? I hope so. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, what a great day it is. Yes, living the American dream. Our sponsor today is Harry's. I'll be telling you more about how you can get their brand new razor set here in just a few minutes. Well, here's some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Am I an entrepreneur or do I just have a hobby? Now, here's a carryover from last week. I didn't get to it. The question is, what can a wife do besides nagging, which doesn't work, to help her husband find a new path and a new direction? Somebody says, Dan, I'm asking for your help to work my way into a Tony Robbins event. And I've been trying to launch a family coaching business with lower income families, but I'm competing with not-for-profits who will do it for free. And here's one. Hey, we're going to have fun with this one. Listen to this. Can I discipline our sassy seven-year-old son by making him listen to positive motivational material? Now, the question really is, can we use positive material as a means of discipline and anyway we'll, we'll have fun we'll unpack that i got a little zig ziglar clip i want to play for you comparable to the kind of things we used to do with our kids when they were little and thus the question that was asked now here's i hate to use this as a quotation but i'm going to use it as a quotation because it's exactly what i heard somebody say the other day i was having lunch with one of my granddaughters at taco bell yeah you know i go to taco bell frequently because it's a great place to take grandkids who are vegetarians. My gosh, hard to find other places. Anyway, so we're sitting there, sitting there with Sarah and my granddaughter. Two guys sitting over fairly near to us, both pretty hefty guys, both had on shirts that identified their names and where they worked, you know, worked at a local warehouse. Somebody else came in and recognized the guys and said, hey, how's it going? Here's what the guy said. I'm working just enough to look busy, and then I go home and knock back a few beers, living the American dream. That's exactly what he said. I'll, I'll run it by you again. I'm working just enough to look busy, and then I go home and knock back a few beers, living the American dream. Now, a day later, I had two young guys out here in our property. Needed kind of a spring tune-up, re, um, remo- re, re, uh, just repositioning a couple of our sprinkler heads on some landscaped areas. Anyway, two young guys came out. So I'm talking to Alex from Green Scene. He asked what I did. Of course, I told him, you know, that I write books about finding work that you love. He says, man, I tried working in a factory. I lasted two days. I love being outside, working on landscaping and irrigation. Now I'm part owner of the company as well. I love that I can choose the work that I love. Now here's two guys. Both, well, Alex was 23, and I suspect the other guy was the Taco Bell dude was about the same. Both able to choose their work, one sliding by, doing as little as possible, and just hoping to keep the paychecks coming, and one going above and beyond what's expected. Where do you think these guys will be 10 years from now? Now, here's the irony. Both of them think they're living the American dream. One, meaning 
hey, I don't have to do much. I get a paycheck, you know, can slide by, living the American dream. The other one, I get to choose. I don't have to go to work that I don't enjoy. I can choose exactly what it is I want to do. I'm part of the owner of the company. We're serving customers well. The company's growing and is very profitable. Both live in the American dream. So I hope you're living the American dream. And I hope that you define it in a way that makes sense. Well, let's go to some success stories here. Now, here's a note that comes from Andrew, who is attending. He's going to be attending Innovate here. But he's a 20-year-old college dropout. He says he has unlimited flexibility, questions where to go from here. Now, I remember when he had some questions in the 48days.net forum, and there was a whole lot of discussion. He was wondering if he should stay in college. He had been successful in raising scholarship funds. So going to school didn't cost him anything. But he was so bored, so unmotivated, so undirected, and he just wondered, should he even stay there? So he, he spent a lot of time, got a lot of feedback from people. And he says, after two plus years of continual research and thought on college and whether it was right for me, after much deliberation, after applying for 100 plus scholarships, being accepted to the University of Minnesota and attending for just over one semester, reaching out to the 48 Days community for advice, I finally decided to do what I knew was right for me all along and take my leave from institutionalized education. Since dropping out, I've had time to focus on intentional real-world education based on books, podcasts, research, and experimentation And I feel that my development, including spiritually, emotionally, and physically, has continued to improve. Of course, dropping out finally gave me time to work full-time in my online sales business, an amount of time I hadn't been able to regularly invest for the business in its five-year history. To the delight of myself and my family, I was able to successfully scale the business up to match my 40-hour weekly investment and immediately start making over $1,000 a week. Can't imagine going for the liberal education, memorize and forget lifestyle, and I have no regrets thus far. Now, he talks about new decisions that he has to make, but he made a decision based on where he was, based on understanding himself well, that seems to confirm his decision not to be in college. Now, again, I cringe sometimes because I don't want it to make make it sound like, you know, I just detest college and all kinds of formal education i don't spend a lot of time there myself have traditional degrees all the way through completed my doctoral studies so i'm certainly not just knocking all that out but more and more i'm hearing from kids who have unrealistic expectations about what they think they're going to get there and they come out disappointed they come out with degrees where they then owe eighty thousand dollars in student let student loan debt or more and can't find a job at $10 an hour. I also had sent to me this week a book written by Melanie Ellison. She says, I just read your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, and have already recommended. Thank you for writing it. Throughout the book, you mentioned several times how a college degree isn't necessary to be successful. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I've written a book entitled Chucking College, Achieving Success Without Corruption. I'd like to send you a copy, and she goes on from there. Well, she sent me a copy. It's a delightful book. Now, it takes a really harsh look at the kind of moral and ethical environment in college. 
But again, the title of the book is Chucking College, Achieving Success Without Corruption. Melanie's take is that kids going to college with a good Christian framework or worldview often have that challenged and end up coming out with their heads screwed on crooked and not sure really what direction they're going in. Well, a lot of issues there we could unpack for sure. A lot of issues there. We're going to just leave it at that. I want to move on to some other things here. So I'm going to just uh, very quickly bring this up here. If you got a success story you want to share with us, be delighted to share it here on the podcast. Just go to 48days.com, click on the Ask Dan link, and you can shoot your story in there. Or just send me an email message at askdan48days.com. We love to hear the stories. This is where we get the, the real-life questions, like the ones I already listed that we're going to be discussing today. And in upcoming weeks, lots of those. If you get got a question, just go ahead and shoot it in. We'd be happy to share it here. Now, I want to talk to you a minute about my friends at Harry's. You've heard me talk about it. It's the only razor I would consider using to have all those in my travel packs. And, of course, any place I'm going to be shaving at home or back at the sanctuary, Harry's. Got them stacked up. They're kind enough to send me the new ones once in a while. We give them away at live events here. We'll be giving away one at our Innovate event. But if you go to harrys.com slash 48 days, you're going to get $5 off your first purchase. Now, remember what the deal is here. I mean, they, they've got a brand new set called the Truman. Great option for you if you're a new customer. Got an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave, shave cream, three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. So, now I already said you get that for $15, $15 but there's a special offer for you as 48 Days listeners. Harry's will give you $5 off that first purchase when you visit harrys.com slash 48 days. So just go to harrys.com slash 48 days right now to redeem your offer. Now, Terry Hathaway put an interesting post up in 48days.net. Is it a hobby or are you an entrepreneur? And here's how he started off. This is really a cute intro. The gym where my wife and I work out is adjacent to a school zone. For a very large high school this morning like almost every other weekday morning i watched as the crossing guard parked put on his fluorescent vest strapped on his whistle and made his way to the intersection he was ready for action however there was a problem you see yesterday was the last day of school for our county there were no students there was no traffic everyone got the message except the crossing guard and terry goes on to say many entrepreneurs are like the crossing guard they do everything they're supposed to do but they don't have any customers if you don't have customers, it's a hobby. A couple of questions that I'm going to be dealing with here where it kind of brings that out again. You have to have, remember, you have to have passion, talent, and money. Any one of the legs of the stool that are missing, it's going to fall over and you're going to be disappointed. Now, Donna Reed, who has an accounting area of expertise, also put up a post very close. It says, determine if you have a business or a hobby. Many business owners start off with a hobby that became a business over time. Some people set out with the intention of building a business from their hobby, while others are pleasantly surprised to discover there's opportunity to make a living from their passion. And then she goes on. Okay, how do you determine if you have a business or a hobby? Well, a more objective way, Donna says, to determine if you have a legitimate business or not is by what's applying what's often called the three out of five test. 
The IRS will view your operation as an income-driven business if you made a profit from it in three of the last five years, one of which must be the present year. This means in your first five years of operation, you have you can have two years where you lose money or break even, which is not uncommon for businesses in the startup phase. Now, you may not be aware of that. I'm, I'm finished with Donna's reading. These are just my own comments. You can't deduct expenses for a business where you lose money year after year. The IRS will come back and say, this isn't a real business. You have to make money three out of five years. And I think it's a pretty reasonable test. Frankly, I don't think you should keep doing something either if you aren't making money. So that's a good, that's the IRS test. If you make money three out of the five years, you can legitimately call it a business. But obviously we hope that there's an upward trend to what's going on. Michael says, my wife and I would love to attend Innovate. Let us know if you decide to add another event for this year. Well, as you've heard me mention, the one we've got coming up here immediately is completely sold out with a waiting list. I don't know. I haven't, people are asking, I don't know. I haven't decided yet if we're going to do another one. I don't mean to just be coy with that, but you know, I want to see how much value can we add to what people are doing. You know, it's interesting in looking through the people that are at this current Innovate that we've gone on. We have, let me just give you a list of just a few of the things that I saw on the registration forms coming in. Concert promoter, video producer, carpenter, seamstress. Now, these are all things that people are already doing, and they want to know how they can leverage that and really have a business. So it's not just a hobby, but really have a profitable business. Dance teacher, artist, writers, restaurant owners, banker, stay-at-home mom, photographer, ex-nun. That's interesting. That's got to be interesting. Fused glass sculptor, teacher, eBay entrepreneur, speaker, lifestyle evangelist, software developer, tree eater, got to be a story there, podcaster, a doggy daycare provider, internet sales. Those are all things of people who are going to be here at Innovate who are trying to figure out how they can actually make those profitable businesses. So I love working with people like that. We're going to have a lot of fun. As far as doing Innovate again, I don't know. I'll probably make a decision in the next two weeks. But based on what I see in terms of us being able to really help these people move forward, I don't want to come and just give people a a fun time here. Uh, Yeah, we are going to do that. We're going to have a great time. The mulberry tree is in full bloom. I mean, in terms of having berries that are ready. So we're we're going to give people a unique experience here. That and a whole lot of other things here on our property. But I want them to leave not just having had a good time but with real strategic plans for how to move their businesses forward. If I'm convinced that we're able to do that, then absolutely we're going to schedule another one and we'll, we'll put it on the schedule at some point. Brenda says, after failing a job performance review at a company he worked for for 26 years, my husband is faced at the age of 64 with coming up with a new career. A job coach gave him your book two years ago as an assignment, but he never completed it. What can a Christian wife do besides nagging, which doesn't work to help her husband find a new path and a new direction? Part-time work at the big local box store is just not getting him anywhere. Help. Well, that's a tough situation. There's certainly some things that would rightfully concern you. 
the fact that uh, somebody gave him a copy of 48 Days and he didn't complete it? Yeah, the, the student has to be ready. doesn't matter if there are teachers all around. If the student's not ready, it really doesn't matter. That's just kind of an old philosophy. But we see it played out again and again and again. When the student's ready, the teacher appears is the counterpart to that. So your husband has to want something better. He has to believe there's something better. He has the confidence that he's capable of something better. Now, what can you do as a wife to help that happen? Well, sure, there are some things you can do. Be the example of optimism, faith, and action. Have successes in your own life, not to rub his nose in it, but just to show him right close by the fact that, you know, you're not that different than he is, and yet you can accomplish new things. Show respect and encourage him. Introduce him to men who are happy and successful in their work. And get a couple books out of the library or from Amazon that may increase his belief in the possibilities. Have him around, mention that you're reading them and things that he may be interested in as well. Certainly, you're in the best position to encourage him and to open his level of belief. You know, I say that. You're in the best position, but sometimes people don't listen to those who are closest to them. Then somebody, a random stranger, says, wow, you, you should read 48 Days of the Work You Love. And he's, oh my gosh, you know, it changed my life. Well, it's funny how that happens sometimes. Certainly, you know, talk to other men who are successful that you know that may be willing to take your husband to lunch. Come over and spend a Saturday Saturday morning with him. You know, one of the key characteristics of highly successful people is that they spend time with those who are already performing at a level at which they want to perform. So make sure he has access to high achievers, not just other people who are losing, not just other people who are struggling, but people who are achieving more. Steve says, you've said many times that you worked your way into events. Now, this is a great question. I love what this opens up. So Steve says, you've said many times that you worked your way into events. I'm asking for your help to work my way into a Tony Robbins event. I need four people to mention my name when buying their tickets to the event, and then I get to go for free. I know this might be asking a lot, but I've been struggling to turn my business around. Your podcast and others have changed my outlook, but the financial part is is low but growing slowly i just launched a new product heavenly souls llc i'm hoping soon to come to one of your events i have two children with severe debilitating diseases and really need to get one of these businesses off the ground fast i know once i figure it out or one the other problems will fall like dominoes there's something i'm not seeing or doing okay so the question is how can he get into a tony robbins event now i know that i've mentioned the fact that Joanna and I went to you know, a lot of the early conferences with Brian Tracy and Tommy Hopkins and Dennis Waitley and Zig Ziglar and Wayne Dyer, on and on. Yeah, we got to go to a lot of those by recognizing or checking with the conference centers here in Nashville on what was coming and then seeing who was coming, contacting those people and just volunteering to help because we live locally, helping with the event. Yes, that worked then. Can it work today? Sure. I'll be realistic about that as well. I mean, we have events here at the sanctuary, and for every 48 people who pay and register, we probably have 10 
who, having heard my stories, ask if they can do the same. Come and help out. We have very simple events. We have a staff in place. We have consistent volunteers who are always here. So we really don't have a lot of flexibility. We don't have like we can add 10 more people because they're willing to help. We don't have the room. And we already have those in advance so far. Everything in in place so far in advance. I'm not saying that to discourage anybody because I, I admire people who continue to ask. Can you work your way into a Tony Robbins event? And his events tend to be massive events. And again, they have a list of volunteers as long as your arm that would uh, give more than their right arm to be able just to attend in exchange for helping out. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you a quick way to do that, but here's what I, how I want to respond to your question. Don't think that a Tony Robbins event is going to change your success. It may be one piece in a long line of things that are changing your success. Just as I talk about people coming here for events, coming here for just that event is not going to be the magic pill. Can we help you recognize new information, new approaches to things, uh, give you some increased confidence, put you in touch with other people who are on the same path? Yeah, all those things can be really, really helpful, but you can get those things in a variety of ways. And I tell people this quickly right now. Here's what I want you to do. Um, this is mind blowing. Steve, I want you to go to creative slash 30 days of genius. This is an amazing production. Now this is put on by Chase Jarvis, who's a world-class photographer just listened to an interview that he did with Tim Ferriss that was pretty mind-blowing. But Chase has put together 30 Days of Genius where you can be right there with them as he talks to people like, well, I'm not sure Tony Robbins is in the list. He might be. But anyway, Richard Branson, Arianna Huffington, Mark Cuban, Seth Godin, Jared Leto, Gary Vanacek, Marie Folio, Tim Ferriss, Damon John, I mean, it goes on and on and on with a list of people, Brene Brown, that he interviews. And these videos are phenomenal. It doesn't cost you anything. They're totally free. In the site, and I'll put it in the notes, but the site is creativelive.com slash 30 days of genius. You can just subscribe and you'll get one a day for the next 30 days. And they are awesome. The, the deal we have to realize is more information is really not the key for any of us. We are so inundated with information. We can't claim that we don't have the right content to move us forward. And I see people that go from seminar to seminar to seminar to seminar, and they never act. They never pull the trigger. They just keep getting information. Information or knowledge by itself is not enough. There has to be understanding and application. So, yeah, access great content. But don't think that not being able to go to a Tony Robbins conference is what's holding you back. Guaranteed, 100%, you can be successful without ever going to a Tony Robbins event. If you have the finances to do that, and the time and want to go? Absolutely. I mean, I go to a lot of conferences. 
not that I'm looking for the magic pill that's going to transform my success, but I love going to conferences. I love rubbing shoulders with other people who are on the path of success. I love talking to speakers, great presenters. Certainly there are things that I know, but it's not, I I could never go to another conference and I'd still be okay to keep moving up in my own success. That may sound counterintuitive from somebody that promotes events, but I do believe that. I mean, it's just one of many options for moving your success forward. Okay, I'll get off that. Anyway, that's, a, that's an important point. I want all of you to access those free videos because they are awesome. And, and tell me what you think. I mean, tell me after you've watched some of them. Uh, watch those for 30 days. I, I can't imagine that you could watch those for 30 days and not have your success move up dramatically. And success, of course, is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. So it may not be that your bank account doubles, but it may be that you're sleeping better or that you have better relationships or that you feel better physically. I mean, those are all parameters of success. But I cannot believe that you could watch those 30 days of interviews and not have your success move forward in all of those areas significantly. Robert says, I'm 29 years old, living in Nashville. I have a passion for foreign languages and cultures and would like to build a career centered around that passion here in Nashville. I speak Spanish fluently, am highly proficient in Japanese and Portuguese, and have 10 years of experience with the cultures related to those languages. However, I've spent the last six years in the international shipping industry, feeling every single day like I'm wasting my time on a career path that does not suit me. I originally thought that being in an international industry, I would be able to use my language skills in international shipping. However, after six years, the extent of that has just ended up being the exchange of a few emails in Spanish with Latino customers. My soul is aching for fulfillment using the talents God gave me, but I feel stuck in this industry since that is where my work history lies. I need help finding a place where these talents fit in the working world. People are constantly telling me how marketable and profitable my language skills are because they're so rare. However, it seems employers simply view language skills as a nice add-on to their company's pre-existing jobs. These skills give me preference over other candidates in the hiring process, but the task of those jobs themselves are never anything I'm interested in. I've looked into interpreting and translating, but they seem to be unreliable income since the work opportunities are so sporadic. My current job sucks the life out of me both Uh, out of both me and my schedule. So I have no time to put toward pursuing a language career. All right, now check this out for that reason. I oftentimes wonder if I should just quit my job and live off my savings while I devote myself full time to pursuing this. I have $36,000 in savings and no debt. Would doing so be an unwise move? Do you think it's possible to make a career out of my language skills? Thanks for any advice you can give and all you do people seeking fulfilling work, Robert. Okay, Robert, do not quit your job. Now, I I say that with a caveat coming. Don't quit your job so you can just live off your savings and devote yourself full-time to pursuing a career in foreign language. You can do that while you're working. Stopping work and starting to drain on your savings puts an unrealistic pressure on your ability to find something that is not even clearly defined. 
Now, you, you make some pretty broad swipes here when you talk about you're working in international shipping, but it has your language ability really hasn't made much sense. And then you go on to say that, you know, most employers view language skills as a nice add-on to their company's pre-existing jobs. That, that's a really broad swipe. There are companies who would really value your unique skills, especially since you have the combination of Spanish, Japanese, and Portuguese, and English. Those are pretty cool. I agree with your friends who are telling you that, but I think you can get more serious about doing a job search where those are valued. So keep your current job and then do a job search where you really promote your unique abilities in those areas. I mean, there are so many companies that are expanding here in the Nashville area that have ties to Japan and China and other areas like that, but where your skills would have unique value. I think, I think you need to do a a real job search, not just talking to one or two companies, but doing a job search as I lay out in 48 days where you contact 30 to 40 companies and do a real professional job search presentation there. I think you'll find four or five opportunities within that job search. Now you, you, you talk about, you know, you, you, you talk about, you know, jobs, the income isn't reliable because the opportunities aren't consistent. Again, if you present yourself well, I think you can be totally independent as a freelancer and be as busy as you want to be. I had a young lady that came to me, this was years ago now, but she was working, you know, making 10 bucks an hour and just felt like there has to be more there. And in exploring what her unique talents were, she described that she was very fluent in Spanish. It was her first language, English was second, although she spoke both very, very fluently. I talked to her about the need in the medical and legal environments for her ability to translate. She put together a card. I think I've still got her card here somewhere. It was Lisa Brown. And it said on one side, it said Lisa Brown on one side translator. And you flip it over. It said Lisa Brown, like transducer or whatever the word is in Spanish. Simple, simple card just said in two languages, her name. That's it. She went out and contacted a couple medical clinics, a couple legal firms, and booked herself as busy as she wanted to be in hospitals. There was a little gal from, I think it was from Bolivia, who was here getting an eye surgery. The family spoke no English. Lisa was contracted by the hospital to come in and spent three days while the little girl was going through surgery at $50 an hour just to be available to translate back and forth as the family went through this very traumatic operation with their little girl. She did the same thing in the legal environment where there are legal cases being tried, where people do not speak English, do not speak Spanish. She was there, same kind of thing, $50 an hour. Her goal, now keep in mind, she had been making $10 an hour. So 40 hours a week in working, she was making $400. Her goal, which she did right out of the gate, was to book herself 20 hours a week at $50 an hour, which is $1,000 a week, two and a half times what she was making, working half the time. Don't throw out the opportunity that you've got here. Don't quickly walk away from that. 
Just be more diligent about finding the opportunity that fits. It's out there. You just haven't found it yet. I mean, the, the normal kind of applications, obviously, that we see for language and banking, marketing, import, export, purchasing, finance, I mean, advertising, government service, social work. I mean, but we can go on and on. You work with a foreign news correspondent, you know, get, get on with the CIA or the FBI involved with universities that need your services. I mean, the U.S. Customs agents. Well, I don't need to go on, but just do, do a little checking again and revive your optimism about what is possible there. Now, I want to go into this question. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this question, then I'm going to switch to another one where we talk about disciplining a seven-year-old who's sassy. I want to save that one, and we're going to park there for a little bit. Sylvia asked, though, she says, Dan, I'm a new listener. I've been catching up on your podcast. I've been trying to launch a family coaching business with lower-income families, but I'm competing with not-for-profits who will do it for free. My husband's in real estate, and I've been thinking of combining our efforts and providing family opportunities to clients and potential clients. Not sure how exactly to do that. Any suggestions? Uh, thanks for all the information you provide. It's really helping me look at businesses in a different light. Okay, here's the deal, Sylvia. As with any business, now you say you want to coach and you want to work with you know, lower, lower income families. As with any business, and we talked about it just a minute ago, you have to have that beautiful, sweet blend of passion, talent, and money. If you don't have paying customers, you have a hobby, not a business. And just because you know the need is there for what you can offer, that's still enough to try, not enough to try to make that a business. With what you describe, I wonder if it would not be better to make your husband's real estate business really successful so then you can volunteer a few hours a week to coach those in the lower income families. I mean, that's another way to approach it. Sometimes the things that we really are passionate about doing should remain as hobbies, but then don't artificially try to make it generate income. It may change the dynamics. And in this case, how could you get coaching? How could you provide coaching for lower income families when you still expect that to be part of your income generation? That is tough. Just be realistic about your market. We do a lot of work with lower income families. And you know why? Because we have a whole lot of upper income families that we work with as well. So we have the continuum. So we have coaching that's very profitable, events, products, all those kind of things, speaking engagements. Those are because we're working with a whole lot of families and other individuals who are doing very well. That opens the door then for doing work with lower income families, for providing materials, coaching, all of those things. But I consider it essentially a tithe to do that kind of work. So if I'm working 40 hours a week, will I see somebody as a ministry coaching opportunity, you know, for three or four hours? Sure. But I won't do it for 10 things start to get out of balance. 
So I would encourage you to look at a spectrum where you can have a profitable business. And if you want that to be in coaching, make sure you have an audience where you can make decent money in coaching. And then you can serve those who don't have the means yet as well, but not only. All right. Hope that makes sense. Okay. Here, here, I want to get to this question. Justin says, my wife and I have a seven year old little boy who has been very sassy lately to the point of being disrespectful. Contrary to what has become the norm, we have sworn to never lay a hand on our children in a punishing way. I know, I know I can feel the wind from all the thousands of gasps of disbelief right now. What this has done, however, is force us to step up the parenting in many other ways, being creative and really getting down to the root of the problem rather than forcing out their strong will with physical discipline. I mentioned to her the fact that you and Joanne would have your children listen to motivational tapes during their timeouts. Her concern was that she didn't want our children to associate motivational and positive material with the negative feeling of being disciplined. Were you able to address this at the, at the time by not calling it timeout or by telling them they needed to take a moment or something like that? Thanks, Justin. Well, Justin, boy, that brings back a whole lot of really fun memories really fun memories. Now, in, in, <laughs> in response to your, the first part, you and your wife have sworn to never lay a hand on your children in a punishing way. Okay. Well, our children got a lot of what I'm going to describe to you here, but they were not immune from discipline that was physical as well. Now, I know there's a lot of different feelings out there, but I'm pretty proud of what our children have grown up to be. And, and really, if you think about, if you have a three-year-old who reaches her hand up to touch a hot stove, you aren't going to say, you know, now, Clara, I don't think that's really a good idea. You're going to grab their hand and protect them from that. I mean, don't tell me that you're not going to touch your children to shape their behavior and protect them. Certainly you are. You know, if they're going to walk out in front of a car, you're not going to just say, well, I think we ought to talk about this before you step out in front of that car. So I take issue with some of that. I think it can be done in a very loving way as well. But what we did primarily with our children is we had attitude adjustments. That's the term you're looking for. We had attitude adjustments. We didn't call it timeout. But we talked with our kids very clearly about getting rid of that stinking thinking and phrases we used from like Zig Ziglar, you need a a checkup from the neck up. And it's interesting in that using those in a disciplinary way changed our children's attitude really, really quickly. They would come out of those with new ideas. They would see new ways to approach interaction with their siblings or with their playmates that may have led to their having to have an attitude adjustment. We had a lot of fun with it. I mean, our kids weren't screaming and crying, you know, as we sat them down and popped in a little cassette tape for them to look, to listen to. Not at all. I mean, they knew that those were going to be times where that really expressed our love for them, but also expressed the boundaries that we had for them. So, We had them listen to things. 
Now I'm going to I'm going to play you a clip here of just I just pulled up real quickly Zig Ziglar's story about being cooked in the squad. Now this is only a minute and a half long, but it'll give you a sense of why we chose some of the people that we did. Zig has that had had when he was still alive that very very distinctive voice that made it engaging. And even though our kids may have been thinking about, gee, I want to get back outside and play ball with my friends, these principles were going deep. And I'll tell you more here in just a second. I'm proud to be from Yazoo City. We lived next door when I was a child. We lived next door to some, for, to some rich folks. Now, I know they were rich for two basic reasons. Number one, they had a cook. Number two, the cook had something to cook. Now, during the Depression, folks, that was a sure sign of wealth. I was over there for lunch one day, as I tried to be every day. And don't misunderstand this now. Uh, even though there was a depression on, we had plenty to eat at my house. I know we did, because if I ever pass my plate for seconds, I'd always say, no, you've had plenty. So I, I know we had plenty. That particular day, the cook brought the biscuits out, and uh, uh, I looked at them, and they were not as thick as my wristwatch. And I said, Maud, what on earth happened to your biscuits? And she ran back and gave that uh, big old tummy laugh, you know, and, uh, and she said, well, let me tell you about those biscuits. She said they squatted to rise, but they just got cooked in the squat. <laughs> You, you, you know anybody gets cooked in the squat? Oh, they're a half a mind to do this or they're going to do that. But the half a minders and the going to doers are, are the never doers. You've talked to them, you know. They, they hear about a good idea, you know, and they, uh, you hear about it and try to get them involved. And they say, well, you know, I'd love to get involved in it, but it's almost time for the kids to get out of school. And, you know, this is our busiest time of the year. But I'm really interested. After school gets out, I won't have so many things to do with all the parties and all. And then I'll get involved. And when school ends, you know what happens? They said, well, you know, I didn't realize it, but it seems that we've got more to do than ever before. And, uh, you know, I, I'm busier than ever. They got to take the kids. All right. I'm going to I'm going to bring that down. We get the point. Those are the kind of things that we had our kids listen to. Cooked in the squad. What does that mean? You can t ask any of my kids or my grandkids what that means. That means, you know, somebody's getting ready. They're always getting ready, but they never really get in the game. Zig says, like, gonna doers are the never doers. My kids learn those principles. If you see an opportunity, then create a plan and act. You know, today I have on our property, you know, Bronze Eagle. And the slogan for that eagle is dream, plan, act. Get in the game. Those are principles that my kids learn. Now, one of the little boys in my family who was forced to sit and listen to that Zig Ziglar content attitude adjustments and now we, we also we that's what we played in the car we didn't just listen to rock and roll music although there was some of that some of the better stuff like you two back when we had the joshua tree and all uh, my kids are familiar with that as well classical music but we did a lot of just listening to motivational things and in as much as they may not have been excited about it boy those principles went deep with them and that little seven-year-old boy that I had named Kevin Miller is now the host of the Zig Ziglar podcast, which just tickles me to death because in as much as he didn't have a whole lot of response to hearing those things back then, you know, all of a sudden as a grown man, he started hearing those principles again and think, wow, that's familiar with me. I recognize that. And then becoming friends with Tom Ziglar, Zig's son and 
things unfolded and now he hosts the Zig Ziglar podcast. So he's interviewing people like Seth Godin, Michael Hyatt, Kelly Brian Tracy, Dave Ramsey, Chris Gillibu, John Lee Dumas, and anybody he wants to because of the power of that brand. Does a great job and I'm totally proud of what he's doing there. But it was because those principles were planted in his mind and he didn't see it then just as something to resist because it was given as punishment. No, we didn't present it in that way. It was not punishment. These were things that were really going to help him be more successful in school with his friends and in doing anything else that he wanted to do. So I encourage you to do that, Justin. There's so much content out there. Last week, I gave a list of books that I recommend that teenagers read. And a lot of those things like how to win friends and influence people are certainly available by audio as well. The magic of thinking big by David Schwartz. I mean, any of that old great material, uh, what we used, a lot of the material we used was from Zig's book. See you at the top, but anything that's available in audio and you don't want to sit somebody down, you know, at seven years old, have them listen to 60 minutes of anything. You know, we would use sometimes three or four minutes or maybe seven or eight at most. So they were short periods of time, but they were listening to stories like that. Zig's story about the pump, just a dramatic story. He used to have a pump on stage with him as just kind of a visual aid. And he'd start pumping, you know, that the old style pump that you would see in the backyard. And he'd say, you know, you got to just keep working, keep working. You don't, you know where that water is. You don't know if it's 200 feet down or if it's 20 feet down. You got to keep pumping. Don't let up. And then once the water starts to flow, then you can back off and see that water suite just start flowing out. I have a pump. You come to visit me here at the sanctuary in Franklin, Tennessee. You're going to see a pump on a washstand right in front out on the patio. It's part of that own memory that I have of Zig telling the story of the pump. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. Have fun with it. My goodness. What a great opportunity to have fun and teach your kids at the same time. Well, you can tell by the music we're out of time. Thanks for the questions. Great things happening around here. Hope that you're at a good place, being almost now halfway through the year. Yesterday in our coaching mastery group, we did kind of a checkup, just where we are this year. Had some great stories of success, new things that people are doing, successes that are coming their way. I hope that's true for you as well. Check out the 48days.net community if you haven't already. There's all 15,000 other people there who are sharing ideas and resources and on this path of success together. So thanks for being part of this community. We're a community of believers. You know, and I use that in kind of a different way, perhaps, than what you're used to. But yeah, we're believers in that you can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. 48 days to the work you love. Take it